Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. From the TCL studios, it's Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. What happened with Blair, in my opinion, is it... You know, he lost a lot of weight. He was trying to be more fit. And when he lost the weight, he lost the strength. He lost the strength. He changed his technique, and then he wasn't as successful. That's something I tried to stop and, and uh, didn't get it stopped. Okay. First of all, hello. And uh, Matthew Collar in for uh, I love how we just football. don't even let the soundbite finish. It's just like, huh. okay, that'll be enough well, of that. All right. Matthew was there today. I asked the question. So Matthew asked the question. Let's play this one more time. This is Mike Prefer, special teams coordinator. So can I... I the question was about like Daniel Carlson melting down in Green Bay and having the mental issues because he alluded to Carlson being a mental problem and then going out to uh, Oakland and having no issues and hitting 10 of 11 field goals and being good. Yeah. My question was, hey, have you seen what Daniel Carlson did? Got any thoughts on that? And then he talked about the mental part. So I said, like, is that a thing here really? Or, you know, how do you look at it? Do you think that there's something with this organization and uh, the mental problems with some of your kickers? And then he went immediately into Blair and it got super weird. What happened with Blair, in my opinion, is that, you know, he lost a lot of weight. He was trying to be more fit. And when he lost the weight, he lost the strength. He lost the strength. He changed his technique and then he wasn't as successful. That's something I tried to stop and, and I didn't get it stopped. Wait a second. Okay. So, Rather than maybe being self-reflective. I wish or, I had a video of my face as that was being said. I was like, <laughs> what? Or even like talk, talk about mechanics even would be nice. But he's, so, he's blaming Blair Walsh's weight and body composition. So what did Blair Walsh go at? Maybe 160? Like we could all, we could all take 10 off, right? But I mean, that guy had no room to take 10 pounds off. Did anyone volunteer this? I don't recall at the time. I've never heard this before. Like, was there, this was, if this is true, <clears throat> which I doubt, if this was true, this would have been what you would have volunteered at the time and been like, yeah, he missed the field goal against Seattle and things went sideways. And it's because he tried to lose weight. It's because of body composition. Yeah. Blair Walsh, by the way, listed at uh, 5'10 and 170 pounds. 170. Okay. Well, now 160. Because that would have been when he came into the league. Um, that I got to tell you now, Judd, you don't buy it, but I think it's so bizarre that it couldn't be made up, and that they probably just didn't want to air dirty laundry when they cut him, and they wanted to put on sort of their sad, oh, we wish it worked out voices and that sort of thing, and didn't want to get too much into what went wrong. And now that we've had so much time separated from Blair Walsh being with the organization. Um, he was willing to just come out and say Blair Walsh was trying to 
Get a little more fit. Get the beach okay. body going and for is, summer. Isn't Blair Walsh like an easy target too? Because even since he left here, like he's been a complete, just. I mean, he's completely melted down anyway. He's he not league now. Yeah, he's out of the league, so and, it's easy to pick on him. But but wait 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 wait. I believe he might have wanted to lose weight. I do not believe for one second that's why he his career went sideways. And oh, by the way, Mike, you've got some other explaining to do as well. Then, if that's the case, so there were there were a few comments that were. Uh, interesting in that not just Blair Walsh wanted to lose weight, but he also said that the same things that Oakland has done technique-wise with Daniel Carlson is what they were already working on here. That's quite the coincidence. Um, and then he, you know, he talked about Kai Forbath hitting the field goals in the playoffs, which I do agree with because uh, I was on board with uh, Kai Forbath just coming back, and I don't think that any of the stuff of the Vikings lore in field goals made any difference to Kai Forbath. I don't think a lot of things made a lot of difference to Kai Forbath <laughs> outside of kicking field goals. He's actually, a, actually, loafers un- with no socks made yeah. a big difference for him. He, he cared very deeply about that. He was a unique cat, and I tried to ask him once about kickers tackling, and he like got offended. So he was, he was a he's a unique guy, but he didn't seem to have any concern about any of that stuff, and maybe that helped him, but he also missed a lot of extra points, and that was weird, too, that even with him, he had an unusual number of missed extra points. And then since Dan Bailey has come over as one of the most accurate kickers of all time, he's struggled too. And Prefer starts talking about how he knows more about kicker technique than other coaches who do special teams, but then said he shouldn't be a mental coach. And I don't know what to make of all this. Disagree. I don't know what to make well, of any of this I stuff. I can tell you what to make of this very simply. This is a guy desperately trying to save a job he knows he's going to lose. But if that's the case, you can't say that you're not a mental coach. Let, let's put it this way. I know, I'm, not, I'm not saying that there aren't little mechanical tweaks you can make, but every single kicker in America right now walks the same number of steps mm-hmm. and swings mostly with their right leg. There's a few lefties. Yeah. Is using the same... Within about you know a three percent difference, the same technique. The rest of it is mental. So, it's ninety percent mental. Can I You're a mental this coach. Just quickly, it's 2018. If I run, if I own a team in this league, I am hiring a kicking coach. Like you're the special teams coordinator, so you got special teams coverage units. Blah blah blah. That's fine, but. Hockey teams hire goalie coaches. Okay, if yeah. you hired a kicking coach, I'm hiring a kicking coach. What would the number one duty of that kicking coach's job be? Make sure the kicker yes. has the right frame of mind. Uh, no. Can clear the mechanism mm-hmm. as Absol- as Kevin Costner would Absolutely. say, right? Yes, and and to tell the head coach, don't talk to my guy, don't look at my guy, just shut up. Because anything that, that a guy like Zim says is counterproductive to the success of that kicker. It's a question all the time that I get of, why don't they fire Prefer since none of his kickers can make their kicks? And the answer is that the Viking special teams is generally pretty good. Last year, they were one of the best in the NFL with punt coverage and kickoff coverage. When is the last time the Minnesota Vikings allowed a kickoff for touchdown or even a long kickoff? I don't even remember a long kickoff return against the Minnesota Vikings since I've been covering the team, how about a punt return for touchdown? There was the weird one with the Bears week 17 where the one guy pretended to catch it and the other guy caught it. It was like a college play. Yeah. Okay, that was one. But, I mean, other than that, they've been really good in the other areas. And they've also developed players through special teams to help them out. And when you have a quarterback that's taking up a huge amount of salary, you need to develop players like Anthony Harris, who can be on small salaries but step in. You usually do that through special teams. So I think there's a lot of things that Prefer does 
that Mike Zimmer and the organization like, but when it comes to kickers, that explanation of Blair Walsh was trying to get less fat and <laughs> Daniel Carlson, we already figured it out, but it was his mental problem in one game. And Kai Forbath was great because he hit those two kicks in the fourth quarter, but he really wasn't great. He was just okay. I would have brought him back. And then the change of punters was kind of weird because then you bring in a guy who hadn't held for the kicker, and then you got a new kicker, and then he's talking about how it's a new battery, if you will. So I don't know. It's always been a mess with this organization, and it's like, can't you just find a guy to kick it through the post? You're dealing with (laughs) golfers on cleats, basically. These these dudes are, even to the way that, some have fades and some have, you know, Dan yeah, Bailey has yeah. a little right to left action mm-hmm. when he when he addresses Can the you ball. Play that that soundbite again though about him trying to lose weight. What happened with Blair, in my opinion, is that you know he lost a lot of weight. He was trying to be more fit, and when he lost the weight, he lost the strength. He lost the strength. He changed his technique, and then he wasn't as successful. That's something I tried to stop, and and I uh, didn't get it stopped. I, I mean, there might be something to it because when he went to Seattle, now you remember this game, Seattle and Atlanta. Yeah, this was the. Pretty much the difference, I think, between Seattle making the playoffs last year and not was Kai Forbeth had a 49 or 50-yard field goal. No, not Kai Forbeth. Blair Walsh to win a game against Atlanta. And he came up short. And it was like, what? I mean, in the NFL today, like, what is this, 1982? And that... May, there but may be something to that of his inability no, no, to kick no. from, from he, deep. He looked good doing it, though. Yeah, He was right. very yeah, thin. The, uh, yeah, he the, was yeah, slender. He could have been. He he could have been on the cover of this, a magazine missing that. This kick, is okay? one of the weirder things I've ever heard Damn. in my life. And this he, was a guy that was what his rookie year. He was what twelve of twelve from yes. fifty oh, and beyond. Yes. That's his right. Rookie year. He had all this power, and that yeah. was the big thing. Is the guy had a gigantic leg, and I guess the leg was too gigantic for his Instagram or something. I mean, I don't know. Like, does he? I mean, are you dealing with like the anorexic kicker, and that was the issue? Like, the guy was obsessed with looking good in the mirror. I mean, what is the, that is Blair. The, that is one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard for an explanation. Blair Walsh, that's a huge field goal. Congratulations. But I look so fat to right. I didn't look good. Did kicking. you see the fold in my side when I was kicking it? I mean, what a strange thing. <laughs> that is the most bizarre. This might be one of the most bizarre football things I've ever Now, heard. the other thing on Dan Bailey is if you look, so Dan Bailey in 2015 was a Pro Bowl kicker. Yeah. And he made 30 of 32 field goals, including uh, 5 of 6 from beyond 50 yards, 94%, which led the league. And every year since then, including two years with Dallas, he's gone down from 94 to 84 to 75. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I'm playing both sides of the fence here in that you're basically getting the Dan Bailey from the Cowboys roster that that, and the Cowboys team that cut him last year. So on one hand, I want to say that the common denominator for bad kicking the last five or six years is the Vikings – but also, Dan Bailey has gone downhill even with the Cowboys going into this. So who knows at this point? And, and maybe they were right on Daniel Carlson and just shouldn't have cut him. I mean, I don't know. When they cut him, though, when they cut him, I thought two things. I thought we have no idea how this will, where this will go from here because it's kickers. And they're weird and they're unpredictable. And there are guys who have been high draft picks who are all-time great kickers. There are guys who are undrafted who are all-time great kickers. You cannot predict this stuff. Uh, but I also thought, okay, it sends a, a unique message of this is serious. Like, we can't let a clown rookie kicker miss a bunch of field goals. Like, this is a win-now year. We're all in on this. So it sort of sends a message to the team, and so does firing the offensive coordinator, that this all matters a lot. But 
Um, like, what should they have stuck with him? But it wasn't. But none of it was necessary. When you consider all of the things that a team has to do, perhaps go out and help your line out and things like that. All the the to do list. Anywhere on that to-do list in, in the months of March and April, did you guys say, kicker's a problem No, here. no. Kai Forbath was fine. He missed some extra points. But you know what? He made an absolute key field goal against the Saints in that playoff game that took a lot of gumption to make. Like, that was never that never would have even crossed my mind. I would have said, Rick, yeah. there's about eight things to solve here, so let's just roll with Kai. And he was very secure in his body. Is my understanding. There were, Any man who wears <laughs> who wears capris and black that's, loafers with no socks yeah, is secure in everything. That's right. They would, and I'm really surprised the Vikings would do this. It must have been an inside joke to tweet out like what he <laughs> would dress in to go to the games of having like the penny loafers with no socks and the short pants, like the aviator sunglasses. Like they, should, I mean, that's how he should go out for kick. He should have the aviator sunglasses on under the helmet. Would that not look and, good? And like have the the pants kind of rolled up without the socks. <laughs> Why does he not have a job, by the way? Um, he supposedly is in Pittsburgh now to potentially be their replacement. Pittsburgh, so he might kick against the Patriots yeah, this weekend. They're the only team, if he gets that job, they're the only team that's worse than the Vikings because they re-signed Chris Boswell to like a four-year contract. It was the same thing that the Vikings did with Blair. And then he's been a disaster. They yeah. had a game-winning kick that he slipped uh, last week. Yeah. And so I think that Forbath might end up with them. I also think that teams... Uh, overthink these things where Cleveland, they could have had two more wins this year if they had had a, a kicker, but instead they did the same thing the Vikings did. Oh, he was good at kicking in college, so we'll just put him in here. And then he shanked a couple, two weeks in a row, and they'd be in the playoff race. Can you imagine that? If Cleveland instead was in the playoff race because their kicker didn't shank uh, a few field goals because if Kai had signed there? So I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's... He he's, he doesn't have the most beautiful field goal kick. I think that's part of it. It's like it's just kind of line drive from from distance. Yeah, no, I don't care. But like Dan, as long but, as it goes through, but, but I, but I don't Dan think Bailey, he's impressive in practice. Dan Bailey is. I and I don't know. I'd have to think about what he looked like a couple of years ago when he was at his peak. Dan Bailey is like me on a golf course where I know if I aim down the middle, it's going to go into the woods left. So he has to start his kicks like 17 feet to the right of the right upright so that it comes in right, accurately. Okay, yeah. yeah. I just wanted to play this because this segment would not be complete if I didn't play this. What went into the decision today to let Daniel Carlson go? Did you see the game? <laughs> was it was it an easy decision? Yeah, it was pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, just like Flip. Just like Flip, man. Oh, my God. Got to make the move. Got to uh, make the move. Speaking of Flip and making the move, Kevin Stefanski spoke today at uh, Vikings practice, and, and Kyler was there for that, too. So let's get some audio in from Kevin Stefanski, new Vikings offensive coordinator, and project ahead. What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. One crash to tell you about is on 494 westbound in Richfield between 35W and Penn Avenue. And so that may add a few minutes to your commute. Gentlemen? You know, the play calling thing, I'm going to, again, rely on we have a great staff and we have good players and the steel line from... uh, Pat Shermer, it's about the players and not the plays. So it's something that we're going to work on uh, Sunday and, and let it go. Well, if it's about the players and not the plays, I don't know if John Filippo would have oh. been fired the other day. But... but Well, now let me help with that because I had a sit-down interview with Patrick J. Shermer. I don't know what his middle name is. Manny, help. I think it's, um, Patrick, it. it's Patrick F. Shermer. His middle name Francois. is Football in All Caps. Oh, football. That's good. Yeah, I should have guessed that. Um, 
Get on it, Manny. Patrick uh, Carl. Oh, Carl. Okay, Remember? there you go. Yeah. His middle name is Carl. His middle name is Carl. That is Correct. not a middle name. I would not want Patrick that for Carl. Middle name. No. Patrick that's, Carl. So he, I don't like it. PK Shermer. I think you can be Carl though. You can be a Carl. That's Carl, Carl with a C or a K. C. Oh, PC. No, that's a bad. No. That's a, get a new middle name. It, Carl is just not a middle name. That's the first Carl I've ever heard for a middle name. Interesting. Carl's okay. just an old school name. So Patrick Carl Shermer. Not sure I like him as much after that. Um, oh, I love him. He's he's an April birthday. He's a fellow Aries like me. So Okay. No, this is, that's, that's my guy. This is getting weirder than I love Blair Shermer. Walsh oh. weight loss. Um, kick, kick. He said the same thing to me uh, at, in our sit-down interview last year. And he explained it's the players, not the plays. He doesn't mean... If they do good at sports, then you're a genius. That's not what he's getting at. What he's getting at is that you want to maximize everyone's skills. You want to work to what they do best and what they're comfortable with. And the thing that kept coming up with Shermer, he said it to me, but repeatedly it came up. Stefan Diggs said it to me last year. And then, as of course, they did better and better. It got told more and more about the collaborative effort that they had. And the, the fact that Stefanski comes so closely from the Pat Shermer, I guess he's on his tree now, um, or at least they work so closely together to get the most out of Case Keenum. It makes me think that it's the players, not the plays, means it's going to be a collaborative effort. And I also noticed that Stefanski, who is an extremely bright guy and would not make a mistake here, like he wouldn't just randomly think in his head, oh, I'm going to bench a Pat Shermer quote. Like, he purposefully brought that up. He also said, in talking about the identity of the offense, he dropped in, we have a lot of smart players. And he didn't say it like I just did, but just in the, well, you know, we want to be physical. And, I mean, they've built a physical, smart team. We've got a lot of smart players. Like, yeah, meaning that he's going to work with those smart players to get the most out of them like one Patrick Carl Shermer did. So uh, here's something else about, and we got some more, we're going to play some more sound here, Mike, Mike Zimmer, and uh, we also have another Stefanski bite. But if you're wondering just from afar, if you've never met Kevin Stefanski before, and, I've, and I covered the Vikings for three years it, during part of the same time that Judd did. So I, I had a few conversations with him, but now I don't know him well. But if a guy in this league of, of turnover and firings and hirings can stick around with three head coaches, Brad Childress, Leslie Frazier, and Mike Zimmer, and especially with Leslie Frazier and even more so with Mike Zimmer, those dudes come in and they have a great opportunity to push the reset button on the entire coaching staff. Yep. I mean, like they're looking for reasons to fire the guys that were with the old regime that, that led to the firing of a coach and the reset button being pushed. And so for you to stick around with multiple head coaches, multiple offensive coordinators, because they see something in you that's valuable and you're and you're adding something to uh, to the mix. I think that says a lot about him. This is Mike Zimmer on the Kirk Cousins Stefanski relationship, which is obviously an important one. Number one, they have a good working relationship. Um, they've they sit in meetings all the time and talk a lot, you know, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of back and forth with those guys. Um Trying to figure out what's the best way to say this. I I I've, I feel like uh, Kirk will be open to you know suggesting things a little bit more. To suggesting things so, a little bit more. So clearly, what <laughs> clearly what we have here, and this comes back on Spielman and Zim as well. But clearly, what we have here is a feeling that DiFilippo game planned and said, "Here's the game plan." Mm-hmm. That Stefanski's going to do what Shermer did, which, by the way, a lot of OCs don't do, which is, "What do you think that we should do, Kirk or Kyle or Adam or Stefan?" 
So I, I do find it interesting that we had a uh, an OC that saw himself as the authority of what the offense was going to be. I also find it interesting that that guy got hired after you had Shermer, who everybody applauded as being open to suggestion. Yeah, I, it would be like, um, let's say you worked, I used to work at a grocery store, so I'll use that. Let's say you had a manager that you worked at a grocery store, and all of you would sort of get together and you know, we're going to do this, and what do you think of that, and who should be doing this, who do you want to work with t- today, who do you want to go get carts with, that sort of thing. And then you're like, this is great, and we're all buddies, and we sort of work together, and then, you know, we know who's in charge, but we all sort of have our, our say and kind of get what we want. And then that manager leaves, and the next manager comes and says, oh, no, you're working with him because I'm in charge, and that's how this works, and I'm looking for a promotion, so you better do your work. And I, I, I kind of get got that sense from DiFilippo the whole time that you never heard anyone say it's a collaborative, collaborative effort. No one even came close to suggesting that. And even with the players, when you asked Pat Elfline or Kirk Cousins, or like, okay, so what happened and what got him fired and that sort of thing, you never heard. We can't believe we got this guy fired. I mean, this is on us and this is terrible and we're like we feel so bad for him. It was, it was very. Like unconvincing. Well, we, you know, we need to execute. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, that's it, huh? That's it. Like, no, none of you. Well, you know, that's the business, and it's a production league. It was, it was very much like. It seemed there was a lot of relief that Kevin Stefanski would be taking over, and and I do think it's a unique approach that Shermer took. I'm not surprised to see him succeed on his offense in the Giants. They're not the best overall team, but their offense for having Eli Manning and no line is pretty successful. Uh, and he got a heck of a lot out of Saquon Barkley so far. Hasn't held him back at all. And I'm just, I'm not surprised by that because Shermer had been around for so long and had worked with so many different great minds from Andy Reid to Chip Kelly, who is a really great mind in football, but I think just didn't adjust himself after the league figured him out. But again, you got that sort of perspective of Shermer working with a lot of different people. He had been a position coach. He had been a former offensive lineman. He had a, a really different perspective from John Filippo, who I think was desperate to be a head coach. So I don't doubt that Filippo was a really smart football dude, but it's just in terms of the personnel managing and understanding who you have and how to work with them, especially mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins, uh, I, I don't think he did a very good job there. And that's where, if you're Kirk Cousins and you're annoyed with things the offensive coordinator is doing, who are you going to? Probably your quarterback's coach. Yeah. So now I think there is an opportunity for those two to kind of fix it together. I, I find it intriguing. When Norv Turner was fired or quit, Zim took it very personally. He, I believe he, he talked about. I thought he, uh, that guy was my friend. Was, I thought we were. I thought we were friends. He was and, on the verge of tears when he announced that the, he had resigned. The De Filippo firing was compared to its fourth and eight, and you do what you have to do. Yeah, I mean I that agree. that was yep. the most. That was a mafia hit. Yeah. So that was a whack him, and that's it. Yeah, the uh, De Filippo thing seemed like you might lose the team if you don't do that, or you might lose your quarterback here, uh, and. I don't think it was a mistake either because Kirk is very calculated and he came out and talked about, well, you know, I mean, in the past I've worked with Kyle Shanahan and in the past I've worked with Sean McVay and, oh, and you know, and D Filippo too. And I've learned from all of them. It's like, oh, one of these things is not yeah. like the other. Right. Yeah. You know? And, and so, you know, I, I think what we could take away from this week after all this happened, it wasn't like, 
well, you know, we had to do something to sort of shake up the team. I think it was more like, we better do this or this season's over. Yeah. Like, we're going to lose these next three games and have one of the most disappointing seasons in history if we don't do something to try and fix this. You bring up Kyle Shanahan, and our guy Sage Rosenfels retweeted some, like, two-and-a-half-minute video from NFL.com, and it was just Kyle Shanahan mic'd up. I get it's a, it's a head coach. It's a little bit of a – he's going to be a little bit more vocal with some of his players. But I was just envisioning – Kyle Shanahan and the way he communicates with his players on a bad team that might have a toxic feel to it because they have like two or three wins on the season and everything is collaborative. Mm -hmm. It's him. He's talking to each player, whether it's an offensive lineman or even Richard Sherman came up to him a couple of times just for he's Richard Sherman's watching. Who's the tight end? uh, Kittle for for San Francisco. Who's got like a thousand yards and and guy that the Vikings should have drafted. Correct. And and Richard Sherman walks up to Kyle Shanahan as if they're best friends going back years. Yeah. And so Shanahan's able to ride that wave of, okay, I'm in charge, mm-hmm. but you matter. I want your input, and let's have a discussion like human beings, right? And in the sense we get here now, just hearing the follow-up from John Filippo was more, I'm in charge, period. And so Sean McVay is another great example of this, uh, where when... The Vikings played the Rams in 2017. I asked Sean McVay on the conference call, because the coaches, you know, they do their little conference call. I asked him, like, about Andrew Whitworth, because you remember I had the, I was like the emoji with the little hearts in the eyes watching Andrew Whitworth, thinking about him coming to the Vikings. Dude is unbelievably good. And so I asked him, like, hey, so what do you think of Andrew Whitworth? You've got him. The Vikings don't. That's good for you and bad for them. And the first thing he talked about was when he got the job, he went to Andrew Whitworth and talked to him about being the sort of not only voice in the locker room, but also collaborating with him on the offense and going to him to help with different decisions that they needed to make because Whitworth was 34 at the time and had been around. And if you give respect to your players who have been around, I think that that matters through the whole team. And if you notice the other night when they were playing the Bears, I know it didn't turn out very well for them, but John Sullivan got hurt. And he's like 38. And they showed on the sideline McVeigh and Sullivan next to each other looking at the the iPad or whatever it is, the Microsoft, whatever it's sponsored by. And I believe it's a Surface Pro Surface 4. Surface Pro 4. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's Kirk maybe, Cousins dropped that in, in his uh, <laughs> yes, presser the other day. And yeah. <laughs> uh, Surface Pro, if you'd like to sponsor this show, you may. And I'll mention that repeatedly. Um, but. So they showed him with the Surface Pro and John Sullivan, and it's like he's, you know, pointing to different things, the pictures that they get instantly sent down. And so it appeared that Sullivan, when he got hurt, McVeigh, instead of just leaving him sitting on the bench, started to instantly get his help coaching the team. I think that's just how it's done in 2018 in a lot of cases because all these players know the game. They have access to so much information. They've done it for their whole lives. These aren't like, it's not like the 70s where it's like teaching the guys how to, Play the football or We're something. We're going to do calisthenics you know, right? now, everybody. Right, like, I mean, yes. And players weren't dumb then, but I, I think the, they know the smart, so much. But now. the smart thing, but it also helps to empower players. Like yeah. there's no yeah. downside to it. Okay, yeah. if the guy says I, I don't know, you don't talk to him again. But there's no downside to going to your center or your left tackle, right? Because if they say, hey, do this, and the player's right. But I just remember when Childress came here in 2006, his big thing was we're going to do everything my way. And players are like, I'm not going to listen to that. Yeah. Your your shelf life then is three years. Yeah, or something, it better it better work. And Zimmer learned yeah. this that in 2015 it worked. So they were like, okay, that's fine. But when it didn't work in 2016, 
they mutinied on him by the end of the year. So I think he's had to learn and well, change as they've gone along. I think the most important thing that he needs to do right now, though, is relax a bit. Like he, everybody seems so uptight. Like he yeah. didn't want to answer. He like I don't cut off questions helps. about the offense today. He did. Yeah, the first question was about Stefanski. That doesn't help. Sort of his first impressions of him when he got to the organization and why he wanted to keep him. And he said, basically, we're on to Miami. And okay, uh, none of us knew who played for Miami. I mean, like, why, why would right? Like, sorry, Mike, we don't have a ton of Miami questions. Your like, thoughts on how much you're going to maul Ryan Tannehill this weekend? Right, like, Mike? Uh, so they've got this good kick returner. His name is Jakeem. What do you think? Hmm. <laughs> like, and Bel- and Belichick's, Belichick's act works because because people get that. But Belichick then does not go to his team and be completely uptight. I think Mike is Mike. So I think the way that he treats you guys is the way he's treating his players. Yeah, I, and he's yep. so uptight right now. It's that, that's The thing that's going to help Kirk Cousins is a new coordinator and then for everyone to relax. I, you know, I didn't find him today to be overly uptight. And I think when he even pulled the joke yesterday about the play calling thing, is like, will Stefanski call plays? And he was like, maybe. And he sort of laughed. But like, because obviously, like, who else is going to do it? Um well, we've pulled a guy down from the stands. Ted, what do you think? Like uh, slant drag? What is Matthew you look at like the U.S. Bank Stadium, like the jumbo screen just has calls for each play. It's collar calls. Should the plays. Vikings write Alley Wedge right or Alley Wedge left hey, on this punt? I, I did. Kickoff? I did do the uh, the Tecmo Bowl play, which I, I wonder if they'll can from the now four on. curls um, one or one yeah, of the lateral the four, plays. The four <laughs> curls. Yeah, um, but if I can understand. I, I do think that at this point, everyone knows, including Kevin Stefanski, and you could see you know, it's his kind of first time doing one of these press conferences that he was pretty anxious to. I think everyone knows the reality of this. You are in the playoffs. Like If you just do not botch this entirely, you're in. And if you are not in, people won't be here, right? So Or there's hot seats to be had if you don't get in. And everybody knows that. I think if they get a win this week, that it will change. And they really should. I mean, the Dolphins are the worst 7-6 and six team in history. Yeah. They, they have like a minus 50 point differential. They're in ranked in the bottom third in points for and points against. Yards for and yards against. Like, beat this team. Mm-hmm. You should definitely beat this team. I delivered a hot take about the Vikings in January to Matthew Collar off the air like an hour ago that I want to deliver to you in the official football hour, Judd. I think that, well, right. I'll save it. It's, okay. a, yep. it's a fairly piping hot take for like 5 o'clock. But, uh, Matthew, what can people find on the website right now? Oh, uh, lots. They can find the full Blair Walsh comments, which, uh, <laughs> I mean, right? Why wouldn't you? And uh, But everything that... you gotta, uh, you got to call Blair now. Ca- Do you have his number? Blair, I thought you were a little fat. Oh, what was going on come there? Come on. That's terrible. You you would be the one, right, to ask someone else about their physique. Glass house, baby. Um, so- glass <laughs> house. Oh, Judd's glass house. Judd's forever like, fat shaming, man. Purple podcast uh, taping tonight in Burnsville at Lucky's 13. Courtney Cronin and I will be there, so feel free to stop out and say hello. Right on. Uh, when we come back, Doogie with a scoop session. Let's get the lowdown on what the twins uh, might be doing here. Winter meetings are wrapping up today. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 15. 15- 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, then. On 1500 ESPN. This is like the first time, because usually Doogie comes in in the 3 o'clock hour for a scoop session, so I haven't seen Doogie for a scoop in three months. You've been missing it. Forget a scoop. I mean, when's the last time we bonded? 
It's been a long time. I mean, outside of like the occasional tweet back and forth, it's been months. You had the ugly sweater party that I could not attend. I mean, we flew back that night from Royce's place in Florida. So we missed it. We would have bonded that night for sure. We would have. Late into the night over a lot of brown alcohol. Oh, absolutely. Until about four in the morning, five in the morning. But yeah, I've not like literally seen you for like three months. Are you growing your hair out? Sort of. The barber said, hey, just let it go. It looks pretty I'm getting really uncomfortable right now. It looks good. It's kind of you could do a faux hawk thing. I don't know if that's still in. I haven't yeah, had hair I don't in think ten years. I don't think it's necessarily in, especially when I am, I'm on TV from time to time. I am becoming super uncomfortable right now. You of all people? Yes, yes. I mean, you. I like who at times creates I like, an uncomfortable environment. I like you are uncomfortable. You, I like seeing you. Don't get me wrong, Dukes, but I mean, I don't really care if we. It's a on. love fest. Hey, Phil and I go you, way back. Do you recognize? Do you recognize Judd's hooded sweatshirt right now? It's the same one he wore during the most famous yawn in oh, Minnesota yeah. basketball oh, yes. history. Oh, yeah, when I was yawning because Patino's team was boring me to death and they tipped at 9 o'clock. The most ridiculous tip time I've ever had to put up with, despite the fact that I then soldiered through and wrote, and wrote an award-winning column for 1500ESPN.com. The most ridiculous tip time? You've covered wild playoff games that started at what time? I said, tip, I said tip time. I did not say face All right, fair. Uh-huh. <laughs> I bet back in the day, did you cover a Wolves playoff game? 2004. No, there were some I games was, against Sacramento. No, nope, they tipped off football. at like nine o'clock. I remember that, but I was not covering right. them. Yeah. Um, are the Twins going to sign Nelson Cruz? Yeah, they might. Yeah, I mean, there was even another conversation today. I don't know if it was before Derek Falvey hopped in an airplane. Levine wasn't on the same airplane. Levine might be flying out of Vegas later today. But yeah, there was another Levine conversation. Just been gambling all week. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, no, no. You went in Rome, you, right? You never have the two key decision people fly together in case it crashes. Yes, I'm dead serious. Do teams plan for that? You don't have your GM and CBO fly together in case there is a disaster. I've heard companies do do that. That's yep. definitely a thing that companies yep. do. When but what about when you're flying private? Then I think you chance it. What about, okay, the Twins fly to New York. Okay. One game playoff. Okay. Those two were on the same plane. I hope it didn't go down. Well, yeah, I mean, it worked out okay. I'm just telling you, if it's commercial, well, it depends on the regime. Fly, All right, maybe separate. commercial, sure. <laughs> That's <laughs> awful! <laughs> okay. Oh, that's terrible! <laughs> so Isn't anyway, that why the president and the vice president don't? Yes, fly that together? is that yeah. is true. Um, yeah. Well, actually, we'll take phone calls on that. Six by <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there was another well, conversation to together? <laughs> with Cruz's agent Bryce Dixon. Now, Bryce tells me Bryce is pretty darn transparent. He's the rare agent that says, "Hey, quote me. I'm on the record." Hmm. He says that there's more than the Rays and the Twins in the mix. Now, I just got done taping a podcast. I was out at the Vikings headquarters for a while. Is Edwin Encarnacion officially a Ray? Or is uh, that still a rumor from Bob Nightingale and it Scott was, Miller? No, I think the the last I saw MLBTraderbers.com just catching up, it was misreported earlier in the day. Or, or so, Well, somebody jumped the gun. Yeah. It was a three-way deal that sent Encarnacion to the Mariners, actually. Yes, yes he's so a he Mariner, got, but then there was some talk oh, that eventually, maybe it's not right now, it's not maybe done. it's in a week or two he, weeks. He's okay. he's still an M right now. Okay, so he's right now, Encarnacion right is a Mariner. And Carlos Santana is now back in Cleveland. Correct, but apparently there is Tampa interest in Encarnacion. What I'm okay. getting at is if Tampa lands a DH like Encarnacion, you figure they're out of the mix on Cruz. Now, the White Sox have interest in Cruz. The Astros have interest. Now, I mean, this isn't breaking news. When you're Nelson Cruz at 38 years old, you don't have National League teams in the mix for you. You are strictly a DH. But there are more teams than the Twins in on Cruz. But yeah, the interest is genuine. It's mutual. I'm told Cruz has interest in helping mentor guys like Miguel Sano. He has pinpointed Minnesota as a destination. Interesting. He would like to sign here. 
And we can't say that for every free agent. There's many free agents that say, yeah, I want nothing to do with Minnesota. In the case of Cruz, who had multiple suitors, it's not like it's yeah. twins or bust. He's still a great hitter, too. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. But, yeah, there's there's absolute interest. You know, we'll leave it at that. We'll see where, where things go here in the next handful of days and weeks. Wolves speculation. What's going on there? Not a ton... I mean, they're not shooting threes now again. Yeah. I want to know what is what's the current. You guys maybe talk about this in the three o'clock hour, but I'm going to fire some questions just out of my own curiosity. Don't, don't offend Bill. What is the Tom Thibodeau dynamic and status right now? Because it was like DEFCON 5 a month ago, and then the Jimmy Butler trade goes down. They start winning games. I know they've lost some games on the road trip, but what's this? I mean, is he in danger during the season, or is this is it to the point now where, okay, They've righted the ship enough. He's going to coach the season. What's your read on? I mean, my Tim? read is I think he's the coach March 30th. Is he the coach June 28th? Yeah. That remains to be seen. I mean, Glenn Taylor on my podcast a couple of weeks ago fully expects this team to make the playoffs. You know, so if they don't make the playoffs, so and I told you, if they lost the Denver game in April, some sort of change was coming. I don't necessarily know that it was Tibbs yeah. getting fired. Might have been Scott Layden. Might have been something else. But some sort of change was absolutely coming if they had missed the playoffs last year. So if they missed the playoffs this year, yeah, I think there will be some sort of change. They are now, what, 0-10 on the road against the Western Conference? I mean, there was a buzz, right, right after the trade. The way Covington is playing, has played, and he's Coving- dinged up right now. And Covington's now. hurt now, right? That yeah. knee did not look right. That was going to no, be my he question. didn't look right. They, they went from giving up like 90 points a game for a stretch to, to giving up 19 threes and a buck 41 last night to the Kings. Well, and I don't know how much of the game you saw. First half, I felt. I mean, Manny, what do you think? Did you watch the whole game, Manny? I watched the game from of start Of the 19 to makes, would you say about 15 were really, really good looks? Yeah, well, a good portion of them were in transition. I mean, the Kings were just, I mean, Yogi Ferrell was pulling up and drilling threes from 24 he was. feet I just, out. I thought Rose and Teague were just horrendous defensively last night. Yeah. How, about, Be- how about Belly last night? Dude, yeah, so Belly, Belly great. I'm glad you brought up Belly and because Bogdanovich too. Belly took nine threes in that game last night. Did he? So they, so they've told him, dude, just get out there and chuck threes because that's what he's good at. It's the beauty of Dave right? Yeager. So, yeah. is, is there a game in his Wolves career where he took nine three pointers? I don't. I, I, he did he play enough? Shots. I mean, he started some games last year, but did he ever play enough minutes yeah, to actually not. jack up yeah. that many threes? Now he was tentative at times. I mean, he's not completely off the hook, but it's pretty clear. There was always more there than Tibbs utilized. And I can just tell you, and after the deal fell through with Philadelphia in the summer, remember Bielitsa committed to Philadelphia, mm-hmm. then backed out of that verbal agreement before he signed on the dotted line. There was a stretch there where he was a free agent. The Wolves reached out. The Wolves said, hey, you know, now that you're back out there, what about coming back to Minnesota? And let's just say Why the interest he? was not mutual. He was looking to get the heck out of here as fast as humanly possible. And I think that's where you got to look at Tibbs and say, because my biggest complaint with Deli, with Belly last year was that he was so tentative. He was so hesitant. He'd be wide open for a three, and then he'd, he'd hesitate. He'd pump fake, or he'd just, he would not just let it fly right away. And I wonder if in Sacramento, if Dave Yeager is just saying, dude, if he's like empowering him to just say, "Dude, you're open." Oh yeah, no, shot. that's that's definitely part of the story. Two, yeah, that absolutely is. He attempted nine three pointers in a game last season twice. He was three and nine against the Clippers in one game, and he was six of nine against Boston in Oof. a right, March enough. game. The Clippers actually had trade interest in him last year. I remember that he had a couple good games against the Clippers. But you know what? I mean, on the flip side, I mean, 
there are guys that Tibbs is great for, right? Derrick Rose, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Derrick Rose and Nemanja Bielitsa have the same agent or agency. You know, so I know that that agency is always scratching their heads saying, you know, Belly wasn't a fit here in Minnesota. But then again, we have this other client. That's a perfect fit, a marvelous fit. Yeah. You know, so Tibbs is good for some guys. Yeah. Belly's um, shooting 46% from three-point yeah, range. Yeah, that's where he, but the that's question, he should But the live. question with Tibbs is, does Tibbs develop players? Tibbs has his guys from the Chicago days, and he loves those guys. But can he can he take a player who might still be a little bit raw and develop that player? Well, I mean, Josh Okoge seemingly has gotten better when he's gotten minutes. I, I think that's a credit to Josh Well, Okoge. he's starting to get some minutes, maybe. But I'm just saying, I mean, that would be the counter-argument, somebody like that. Now, Chris Dunn, when he was here, no. I mean, there's many examples of of no. I'll also say this much, by the way, in Tibbs' future, because I brought this up with Judd, but now that you're in the room, Phil, Season ticket renewal forms go out sometime after the first of the year. I don't know if it's January 5th, January 18th, but soon after the first of the year. And I do know there's some nervous people on the business side wondering yeah. what will be the renewal rate as long as Tibbs is in charge. And I was at the Denver game. I took the boys to the Denver game the night before Thanksgiving. We were sitting in section 126. There were many people booing. And it wasn't even a good crowd that night. Now they've had some other, after that game, good crowds. But that night, the night before Thanksgiving... That arena was dead. It was empty. And there was a nice giveaway. They gave away this nice doll. The kids got this great little bullseye doll, Target bullseye doll. It was was a cool giveaway for the kids. And the night before Thanksgiving, you would think, really nice crowd. That arena was dead. Good opponent, sure. Not a sexy opponent, but a good opponent. Who are, let's say they say goodbye to Tibbs after the season's over and just, okay, let's, it's got to be the Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr type hire to get a team. Maybe they make the playoffs and they still say, need someone else to mold this collection. Who are some names that are out there? Dave Yeager was, for three years ago, was the hot name that the Wolves almost brought in. Is, Is Ryan Saunders anywhere near? Head coaching. Like I mean, I think Ryan eventually coaches. I think what they do is they would blow it up. Chauncey Billups. And you would bring in a Chauncey who doesn't want coach, but you'd bring in Chauncey to run the front office, then allow Chauncey to hire his next head coach. Me personally, though, I'll give you some names. Monty Williams, who's mm-hmm. now an assistant in where? Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Jerry Stackhouse, who's an assistant for my buddy J.B. Bickerstaff in Memphis. I love Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah, J.B. tells me a lot of good things about Jerry. And then somebody I know, so I'll admit my bias, but Sean Sweeney, who will be here next week, assistant coach. With the Detroit Pistons. I mean, you hear a lot of good things about Sean, his work with Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, his work in Milwaukee with the Greek Freak. You know, Milwaukee blows things up last year, at least on the coaching side. Yeah. They bring in Budenholzer, and Budenholzer wanted to keep Sean. Yeah. And Sean just got a better offer. But all the other assistants, they were gone, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You know, but Mike said, hey, Sean, if you want to stay here in Milwaukee, I'd love to have you. You know, but now he's working for Dwayne, and I know he's having a really good time, but... But he's he's somebody that I feel like, and he coached Detroit summer league team. You know, he's somebody that I would keep an eye on eventually. Maybe not here necessarily, but in the next two to three to four to five years, played his high school ball at Creighton Durham Hall. Played his high school, uh, excuse me, college ball at the University of St. Thomas. Okay, Doogie, how close do you think Becky Hammond is to getting a legit hmm. job or a legit shot? It's a good question. I mean, all it takes is one owner, right? I mean, to me, I think it happens, right? I think it's a matter of when, not if. Now, is it Becky? Would it be somebody like Cheryl Reeve? That's what I was going to say. Would Glenn Here. contemplate? I mean, Glenn thinks that Cheryl is a brilliant uh, basketball mind. That would be so much fun. You know, so, I mean, would Glenn be the one to, about Fred? to break down that barrier? Glenn loves Hoiberg. He does. No, don't do that. Yeah. No, I'm just saying Glenn loves, Glenn loves Hoiberg. That's an important part of this discussion. I think Fred wants to you coach. Know. And so I still think you bring in the front office type. No, 
No, I I think you're right. I hear what you're saying. What I'm saying is Glenn Taylor loves Fred Hoiberg. He does. Oh, yeah. So, so you're going through a logical progression of how things should work. <laughs> I'm having a discussion for the scoop segment about how things will work. Here's the question to, to answer. I mean, is there a better chance of Fred coaching the Gophers or the Wolves? Are we firing Richard Pitino? Is that what's happening? Not firing him, but I think they make the, the NCAA Big Ten tournament. is going to be a grind. Chip, All year. Chip Scoggins said that from his discussions with Mark Coyle, that Richard Patino is in zero jeopardy. Yeah. Right Coyle now, today. Loves Patino. Yeah, I mean, I had coffee with Coyle a few weeks ago. Yeah, right now he is. But let's see how the season plays out. Trust me, Coyle has taken notice you, of swinging and missing Chip told me. on so many recruits. Now, to me, recruiting is cyclical. Yeah. Locally, you land, you know, in 2016, you got lucky with Amir Coffee, but still, yeah. you landed Amir after Hoiberg left Ames. He was. He was going to Ames. He was going to Iowa State. But regardless, you got you got lucky, but you still got Amir Coffey. You got the second best player in the state that year, Michael Hurt. All right, 2018, you land Daniel Oturu. You missed on some kids, but you landed Daniel Oturu, Jarvis Omersa, and Gabe Kausher. But I'm just saying, he has swung and missed on a ton of 2019 kids, and he'll swing and miss on Matthew Hurt. By the way, I'm not dismissing the idea of Matthew Hurt ever playing for the Gophers or playing for the Gophers next year. I am pretty much dismissing the possibility of Hurt playing for Richard Patino. Oh. Hmm. Right? So I'm just saying, and hey, we all like Richard in this room. We all know him pretty well personally. I like him. I'd have a beer with Richard any day of the week. I really enjoy his company. And hey, it's my alma mater, so I can have a bias. For Richard's sake, because I like him personally, I hope he ends up with 11 Big Ten wins, wins an NCAA tournament game, and and he's the coach next year. I I really do. I, I hope that. But I'm just, I'm looking at it logically and saying the Big Ten is going to be a grind. To get to 10 victories in the Big Ten is going to be tough. So if you end up at 9, do you make it? If you make it, are you one and done? If you're one and done, would Coyle look at somebody like Eric Musselman or Fred Hoiberg? I'm just saying. It's, just, it's, worth, it's worth watching. And then you look at some of the 2020 kids. Walton from Hopkins. Kerwin Walton. Jalen Suggs from Minnehaha Academy. Dane Danger from Park Center. Ben Carlson from Eastridge. Dawson Garcia from Prior Lake. Do I like Patino's chances to get two of those guys? I don't. Might get one of them, but do I even like his chances to get two of those guys? Yeah. No. Interesting stuff. Let's and so the, you got it. You got to get some of these local kids. You really do. Follow him on Twitter at D Wolfson KSTP and his Scoop podcast uh, once a week and sometimes twice a week. Uh, he's had Glenn Taylor on a couple times in the last month or so. So go check that out, Doogie. Good stuff. Appreciate it. Can't wait to bond on Saturday night. Yes. Um, that's gonna be. Well, that's gonna be rip roaring, isn't it? Oh yeah. Trust me, I made uh, sure that my my Lyft app is, <laughs> is up to date. I haven't used my Lyft app in a while. That's what happens when you got two kids oh in your late thirties. You You're just don't party like you used to party. The, the football hour coming up soon. But you know that I suppose I have a live spot. It's Mackie here. Hi, I'm back for Luther Brookdale Toyota. I'm a radio professional here to sell you cars on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, where Toyotathon is going on right now. This is the best sales event, the biggest sales event of the year, and your chance to get into some brand new vehicles, 2018 and 19 Toyota models all over the lot. I was telling you guys yesterday, I was just in there earlier this week, scoping out some of those new Camrys, scoping out a new Highlander. My lease on a 2016 Corolla is up in about six months, so I've already got my eye on the playing field And you can get not only your eye on the playing field, but your butt in one of these seats, customer cash offers on 19 different models, and 0% financing for 60 months on the 2019 Highlander and the 2018 Tundra. 
It's Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard, and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout Whoa. on 1500 ESPN. Come. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? It's <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on traffic here. 35E northbound near Lilydale. We got a crash between Victoria and St. Clair. Uh, actually, correct correction, not a not a crash. We got a traffic incident there, so that may be slowing things down. Also, 35W southbound. We do have a crash uh, between University and uh, the bridge over the Mississippi River. So uh, be on the lookout for that. That's slowing things down as well, gentlemen. Thank you, Manny. Uh, some juicy stuff in that scoop segment from Doogie. I, I def I, the, the Nelson Cruz thing is the for me as a ball guy. Nelson yeah. Cruz is old and he's a DH, but he mashes 40, 44, 43, 39, and 37 home runs the last few years, and he'll get on base a little bit. I think that'd be a great one year just in a vacuum, a, a good bat to add to the order. Mm-hmm. But if the bonus there is you get a guy who's from the Dominican Republic. And he's a wise old sage. Can help out. A guy who didn't click in the majors until he was almost thirty and then had this, you know, this amazing ten year run. Could he put his arm around Miguel Sano and get Miguel Sano to see the light? Be Some, very interesting. Somebody ha- has to at this point. So if that works, it's great. Here's my question. Was Doogie implying that there are uh there are local recruits for the Gopher basketball program who would be willing to play here if Patino's not coaching them? That's essentially well, what he, he said, said about, that hurt. about about hurt. I don't know if he was implying that about the other guys or that those guys were just going to go to other schools. That was interesting. I uh, Chip told me last week Coyle loves Patino and he's not going away. He's not going to be yeah. fired. And and you know what? They've got a chance. I'm not saying they're going to be great, but they do have a chance here if they can maintain it, their health and not get people suspended to be decent. Yeah, I, the Nebraska I, game was very decent. It, it was a nice comeback. I honestly think I think they get nine or ten wins in conference, and I think with a couple decent wins in the non-conference, there. I know that RPI is not the Bible anymore, but their RPI is like top fifteen or something. I think in the country. So Ken Palm, they're a top forty team. So they've got a lot of different good things happening for them. I think they get as a nine or a ten or an eleven seed, and we'll see if they can win a game in the NCAA tournament. If they get into the NCAA tournament, he should be fine. He's fine. Getting back, getting Air Curry back too is going to be so huge. Yep. For yes, them. it's going to be so massive for yeah. them. Yeah, I mean, when's the last time this team went to its bench more than about one or two players in, and you felt super comfortable? Right? They just haven't right. had depth. And Isaiah Washington just has to be decent. He doesn't have to be great, and he's, he's got to be st- he's stop be shooting. Func- yeah, but he's got to be functional. <laughs> he can distribute the basketball. Just dribble just and play pass. out of control. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. is that that tough to do? Yeah, like, well, for him, it's, it I, has been. Don't do the jelly fam <laughs> jelly roll stuff and we'll all be fine. You can play. You can pass the ball. I want Gopher. I've told you guys this for a long time. That's the one team in this town I want to be good. It's just so yeah. much more fun. And that place is so much fun to go to. And they just have to be good. Yeah, you, you hate game. the court, though, so you wouldn't show up anyways. Well, it is terrible. <laughs> It's an will, awful court. I will admit the court does not look nearly as bad as it does on TV. If you're there in person. It does not. I was not. at the Nebraska game. It was on, not nearly as bad in person. On TV, it looks, it looks TV. awful. Yeah. But the building itself is still a fun place to be in if they're decent. Yeah. Hey, the football hour is coming up here in just a couple minutes. Tom Pelissero from NFL Network will join. I want to give you guys my hot Vikings take when we come back. All right.
Just get ready. Hot take police. Might There might be a situation here in a couple minutes. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN.